The following audio is from Missio Day Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. If you'd like to find out more about us and how we strive to be a gospel-centered, city-focused church community, visit us at missioday.org. Missio, how you doing? Doing well? Give me a second here to get set up. I'm not fancy like all the other guys who preach from this pulpit. I don't have like the tablets and stuff, so I just bring my whole computer up here. Um, my name's Josh Kelly, and as Pastor Justin had said, I am a uh, Missio community leader out on the east side of Cincinnati in the Amelia area. And I have the wonderful privilege of closing down the book of Ephesians. We're gonna be in verses uh, 21 through 24, so we're gonna take some time before we get there, but if you wanna prepare and go ahead and open that up, uh, that's where we will be. Uh, how about the band this morning? How awesome were they, right? They were, they, they were all right. <laughs> they were killing it up here, I was loving it. Um, and I'm excited about the series that's coming up on work. I'm really uh, I, was, I, mean, I saw that video this morning when they were playing and I was just super pumped, so I'm looking forward to that. But nonetheless, I'm gonna close down the book of Ephesians and I'm gonna try to pull off a little bit of a miracle here this morning. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, as Justin Payne had alluded to, um, this little tiny section of scripture that we're gonna be dealing with feels a little bit awkward to preach an entire sermon from. So I'm gonna wrestle through the idea of working through that specific text and tie it into the entirety of the book of Ephesians, and the main theme is gonna be love, and hopefully we'll get there. If I pull it off, I think it'll be really good, but if not, hopefully you'll learn something along the way. Um, so if you remember, the two primary sections of the book of Ephesians um, are the first three chapters and the last three chapters, right? And in the first three chapters, um, Paul is exhorting the people in Ephesus with this good news that Jesus accomplishes your salvation. And I've got a number of verses that I wanna work through. Um, these are not necessarily gonna be up on the screen behind me, so I'm just gonna read them to you, and they're kind of condensed and paraphrased. Uh, but in Ephesians chapter one, verse four, it says, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And then it continues in verse 13 through 14, again, Ephesians chapter one. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And then there's the great Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and even 10 I've included here. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then Ephesians chapter three, 17 to 20, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so all of that really points to the fact that Jesus has accomplished salvation on our behalf, okay? And that's the first three chapters of the book to the church in Ephesus. Then he continues, and, and by the way, we had called that the makings, right? Christ has made us new. He's brought us into uh, his family or into the fold of God. Then it continues chapters four through six, and it says this in Ephesians chapter four, verse one and two. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, 
verses 15 to 16. Again, this is Ephesians chapter four. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Ephesians chapter four, verse 24. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians chapter five, verses one and two. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In Ephesians chapter six, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And that was just the one that we preached on last week. Justin Payne was up here and he was talking about the armor of God. But as you can see, the first three chapters are talking about Christ has made us new, Christ has brought us into his kingdom, and then the last three chapters are talking about because Christ has brought you into the family, live in this way. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, now we're left with this resolution. So Justin Payne last week had mentioned that his text was really like the apex or the climax of what we were talking about in all of the book of Ephesians, okay? And there's like this building up for six chapters, six chapters, on and on and on and on, the makings and the marks, and then the armor of God. Put on Jesus, right, so that you can do battle against Satan and the devil. And then we're left with this little tiny sliver of text that we're gonna be dealing with primarily today, uh, and that's that falling action. If you know anything about storytelling, I don't. I had to look it up, but like there's all this building action, there's a climax, there's falling action, and then there's resolution, okay? We're in the very quick descent of falling action and resolution. That's where we're gonna be today. All right, so we're gonna read Ephesians chapter six, verses 21 to 24. The word of the Lord reads in this way. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we ask you right now to bless the reading and proclamation of your word. I ask you, God, to fill me with your spirit, to, to speak what you've asked me to speak. Let me be faithful in so delivering this message today. And let it encourage our hearts and point us to Jesus. In your holy name we pray, amen. All right, so here's the big idea. This is the main thrust of the entire sermon, and I'm gonna try, like I said, to break down this text and then tie it into all of the book of Ephesians, but this is the big idea. The life of a genuine follower of Jesus will be a life marked by love. Let me say it again. The life of a genuine follower of Jesus will be a life marked by love. So, there's two sections of this text I'm gonna break them down in that way. The first section reads this way. I know I just read the whole thing to you, but I want you to understand the very text that we're gonna be dealing with on the first part. So, that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. See, Paul sends Tychicus to update them with how he's doing. But what do we really know about Tychicus? Does anybody know much about Tychicus? Right, you probably don't know much about Tychicus. What we know from this text is that he's a beloved brother and a faithful minister. But was Tychicus a rock star in the faith? 
I mean, do you know? I, I don't know. What about Paul? Do you know Paul better or do you know Tychicus better? You know Paul better, right? But, but it says here that Tychicus is a faithful minister and a beloved brother. When was the last time you read through Tychicus, Fideli Ministerium, volume six? You haven't because it doesn't exist. I just completely made that up, right? And so my point is, he's just an everyday, ordinary kind of guy, right? He's not the great Paul that we all uh, wanna be so much like, um, but Paul sends Tychicus to encourage them. So Paul recognizes that Tychicus has value, that he has this love for people and he's able to encourage them, and so that's who he's going to send. Matt Chandler, um, warns, you're probably all familiar with Matt Chandler, right? Matt Chandler warns against this whole LeBron James mentality within the church. And he says, not everybody is going to be LeBron James, right? Or Steph Curry, or Michael Jordan, or whoever. Just insert that person that you're thinking of right now into that, right? Not everybody's gonna be LeBron James. Some of us, like Tychicus, are going to love and serve, be faithful, and die, and be forgotten. And that's okay, because Paul cares enough about what Tychicus was being charged to do that he mentions him in the letter and says, I'm going to send you Tychicus to be a blessing to you. So here's my question. Are we being faithful ministers the way that Tychicus was declared to be a beloved brother and faithful minister? Right, and we're gonna, we're gonna break that down a little bit, and I wanna keep that kind of joined to the entirety of uh, this text as well as the entire book of Ephesians, so I don't want to just say, go be a faithful minister, although I am saying that. Uh, he was probably charged with carrying this letter to the church, right? So Paul's in chains, he writes this letter, and he's gotta get it to the, the church in Ephesus, right? And he's sending Tychicus to be the beloved brother and a faithful minister, so it's very likely that he wrote down the word of God, rolled it up, stuck it in the backpack of Tychicus, and sent him with his lunch pail on the way to Ephesus, right? And then, what does Tychicus do? He, he brings in the letter, he probably reads it to them, he probably prays with them, he probably encourages them from it, right? And he just does ministry alongside of them. And a lot of you are, tech, are theologically savvy, and I wanna be careful here. What I am not saying is that it was completely dependent upon Tychicus to deliver this message, and without his faithfulness, we wouldn't have the word of God. That's not what I'm saying. My point here is that he was charged to go and be an encouragement. Raise of hands, can we all be an encouragement to somebody around us? I, I can, I have been, I've been told that I have been, and you've probably been told that you have been, right? You have gifting, you have a specific call on your life. So we need to stop measuring ourselves against others and we need to get over ourselves. And I struggle with this a ton. I'm always, I'm not good enough, I'm not, uh, you know, I can't preach the way Kurt Hanna preaches, I can't do all these other things, I can't exhort people the way that these people exhort people, I can't be hospitable the way that this person's hospitable, right? But we need to get over ourselves and we need to be faithful ministers because we are called to do that. Do you have any idea how seldom a person in the church asks me how they can be praying for me? Let me tell you a story of encouragement where it actually did happen and it was such a blessing. A person in my Missio community reached out to me not too long ago and I was so struck by the fact that they offered to be praying for me. Just a quick text, hey, I'm praying right now, how can I be praying for you? Like, that was super encouraging, super encouraging. Now, let me ask you, can you text somebody and ask them, how can I be praying for you? Yeah, you can, 
right? And I'm not even saying you have to go over to their house and you know, raise hands and put hands on people and pray with them right there. That might make you feel uncomfortable, whatever. You probably should do that, but I'm not even saying that you have to. You can encourage them by letting them know, I'll be praying for you, and then pray for them. We can all do that. But this brother, it, it, no, matter, it no longer even mattered to me what I needed prayer for in that moment because he was so loving and so caring and so compassionate so as to reach out to me and say, how can I be praying for you? And I just felt loved and valued and encouraged. And I was encouraged to, do, to go and do more of the same, right? To text people, check in on them, love on them and serve them well. We can all do that. Go and be a faithful minister. We don't have to be the LeBron James of the faith in order to accomplish this. And that's that first section that I'm talking about. The second section is actually a benediction, okay? And this is what the Orthodox Presbyterian Church has to say. Um, I just happened to stumble across that. Hopefully I don't get kicked out of Missio from reading from a Presbyterian church. But it is accurate and good and right and true, and so we're gonna read from this website. It says, the word benediction from its Latin origin literally means a good word. It is God's good word of grace to his church. The movement of a benediction is from heaven to earth, whereas the movement of a doxology or a prayer is from earth to heaven. A doxology is the church's good word of praise to God. So a prayer or doxology is God's people speaking to God, whereas a benediction is God speaking blessing to his people. He must be the speaking subject addressing the church if it's truly a benediction. And this is exactly what we have in this passage. Paul is declaring to God's people a good word blessing, okay? And that's exactly what we do every single week at Missio. What do we do? The band gets up here, they lead us in awesome songs. Uh, somebody gets up here, tells you how to get connected, then somebody comes up here and preaches from the word of God, and then the band does their thing, and somebody else comes back up here, and they send you off with a benediction, right? A good word blessing as you go out of here so that you can be in confidence on God's mission, knowing that Jesus Christ has directed your steps. And here are the very specific words of that benediction again. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I found this interesting, um, and just for the record, I'm not like, you know, this uh, scholar, you know, I'm not an uh, English scholar, I'm not a uh, Greek scholar, whatever, but here's, here's how this is kind of broken down, the point that I wanna make. What he's saying here is love accompanying faith. Love with faith. So love and faith are together, do you see that? Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from who? From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the blessing that God is speaking through Paul to his people. It says it this way in Galatians chapter five, verse six. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Faith and love. Faith working through love. It says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You guys are gonna hate me right now. That's okay, because we're gonna use an illustration, okay? <laughs> love without faith, not, them not being together, is a 
clanging cymbal, a gong, just noisy, right? Just let me know when this gets annoying. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Was that annoying? And that's exactly what our faith is like when it's not rooted in love, if there's not this undertone of love. Sorry, Aaron Sayers, I'm just gonna set that right there for you, brother. Um, but we're gonna continue. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to move mountains, or as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I have all the faith, here I am clanging on my cymbal, all the faith in the world, praying, serving, doing all these things, right? And there's no love. If there's no undertone of love supporting that or tied to that, it's just noise. How would you categorize that? Obnoxious? At best? Right? Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Even knowledge passes away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now hope, faith, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Love is what remains. Love for Jesus and love for other people. And if your faith is not rooted in love, if it doesn't have that baseline of love, then you are a noisy gong or a clashing cymbal. You're just being obnoxious. And it continues in this benediction. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Here's the way it phrases it in the interlinear Bible, uh, which I really enjoyed uh, reading through for this particular passage. It says, grace be with all those loving the Lord of us, Jesus Christ, in incorruptibility. Let me read it again. Grace be with all those loving the Lord of us, Jesus Christ, in incorruptibility. Here's what it's saying. This phrase here, be with, it's a combination of a verb and a preposition. And this means that at some point along the way in the process, grace is being imparted. Somehow it's being imparted. To who? To all those who love the Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. And then the word love here is a present participle. Do you know what that means? Me neither. But what I was told was that it means an active kind of love, right? It's an action word, loving. That's why I liked the interlinear version of that because it tries to stick to the original sort of language and, and sentence structure, if you will. But the loving here is this active kind of love. Not have loved in the past, but I don't now. Well, if you love Jesus in the past and you don't love him now, do you have faith? 
right? It's talking about people who are in the faith. If you are loving, actively loving Jesus. Do you see how all these things sort of start to pull back to the entirety of the book of Ephesians? The first six chapters where it's talking about walking in love and doing all these things. Christ has made you his. Go and love other people. Love in your relationships in all these different ways. Here's our story. Our lives truly don't reflect one marked by incorruptible love. Some of us, we reject the salvation offered to us by Jesus. Some of us, we just reject it. Just a pure, flat out rejection of who Jesus is. And in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, what is he saying? Christ has brought you into the family. But only if you love Jesus, right? That's the evidence of your salvation is that you love Jesus. True or false, there are people in the world who do not love Jesus. True. And the harder truth is that it is very likely that everybody who walks in these doors on a Sunday morning, not 100% of them love Jesus. Some of us, even in our midst, may not actually love Jesus. And so some of us, we need to love God. That's the call, is to love God. And we've gotta go back to the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. And here's what some of these people will say. Well, I'm a pretty good person. Right, have you ever heard that? I try to do good, and then if you try to like kinda address that with them, you try to preach the gospel to them, you try to encourage them, like you need to submit to Jesus, you need to confess your sin, you need to repent, and what do they say? You don't know me. Who are you to judge? Right? Everybody heard that one before? Who are you to judge? Only God can judge me. Well, yeah, that's, that's true. And the entire book of Ephesians is saying, Jesus has made a way for you to be reconciled to God, so trust him and love him. That's how you're brought into the family of God. We need to love Jesus. And anytime we try to just make up excuses, all we're really doing is diminishing our, our error, right? We're just saying, it's not a sin, it's an error. I'm just making some mistakes, it's not that big of a deal. I'm better than all these murderers and rapists and serial killers, right? It's like. That's your standard? That's your standard is to compare yourself to those people? We have to compare ourselves to Jesus. What does Jesus require of us? To love him in all these different ways that we've talked about in Ephesians. And we don't have time to cover every single one of them. But some of us, we need to repent and we need to trust Jesus. And if we say we have no sin, it's just further evidence that we're not in the family of God. This is, way, this is the way the word of God reads in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 to 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us this is the good news. I didn't wanna stop just at verse eight because the good news of the gospel is in verse nine. And if we stop at eight, we don't get to nine. Nine is if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The bad news is in verse eight. The good news is in verse nine. We need to read verse nine and we need to recognize that if we will repent, if we will confess our sins to Jesus, he has the power, the authority, and is willing to save you. Some of us need to stop rejecting Jesus and we need to finally just bow the knee and trust him.
Others of us, we resist the Spirit's work in sanctifying us. And the truth is, we don't love people. So some of us, we don't love God. Others of us do love God, and we're actively loving God, but we don't love people. We don't love the people in our community groups. We don't love our neighbors. We don't love our coworkers. We don't love our boss. We don't love our family or our friends. And here's what we say. Ah, it's too hard. It's too hard to love people. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. Or how about this one? Well, I'm not Jesus. You ever hear that one? You're like trying to encourage somebody to be more like Jesus. They're like, well, I'm not Jesus. I know. Be like him and you're gonna fail and you're gonna make mistakes, but we need to love people. And we'll just say, oh, they irritate me, they just make me mad, it's just my personality, this is just how I get. Well, your personality sometimes is terrible. (laughs) And Jesus loves you and he wants you to know that you're obnoxious to him and he's still willing to save you. See, God is trying to say to the first group, you need to trust me. And what he's saying to the second group is, maybe you've already trusted me. Live like you trust me. We're in this position, uh, and I don't have all the time to break this down, but this position of passe non peccare, and what that means is capable of not sinning. What gives us the ability to not sin? The Spirit of God. We've talked about this uh, at length in previous sermons in the book of Ephesians. On and on and on we can go. Of all the times that we've said this, right? You have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you. If you're a genuine lover of Jesus, a genuine follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit has come into your heart, he has filled you and he empowers you to live in all these different ways. We have the ability to not sin, passe non peccare. Sometimes when I'm struggling with sin or if people are irritating me, I will literally quote that to myself, passe non peccare, passe non peccare. I have the ability right now, I don't feel like I have the ability but I do have the ability to choose not to sin. To not push people away, but to bring them in and to love on them. Here's the gospel conviction, and this applies to all of us. God, through Christ, has accomplished your salvation, is working on your sanctification, and he expects your cooperation. Let me say it again. God, through Christ, has accomplished your salvation, is working on your sanctification, and he expects your cooperation. And though it has not yet been fully realized, and it won't be until the fullness of God's kingdom is ushered in, his death purchased your salvation. And although in this life, your sanctification will never be complete, there will be a day, one day in the future when Jesus Christ is with us, when we see face to face, that sanctification will be dealt with and done forever, and we will forever be in the glory of the Lord, forever. So, if our love for Jesus is persevering and genuine, right, if the the life that we're living is marked 
by love, then these are Paul's closing remarks. And through his benediction, Paul's telling the church in Ephesus, which also applies to us, he's, he's commissioning them to go out on mission and to live in all these ways. Missio Dei, if we have a love for Jesus and for others that is truly and genuinely incorruptible, unwavering is kind of the language we're dealing with here. If this is true of you, then you can trust that God through Jesus Christ has accomplished your salvation, is working on your sanctification, and expects your cooperation. How do I know this? Well, here it is. This is what the, the letter to the church in Ephesus told us. He chose you before the foundation of the world. He sealed you with the promised Holy Spirit, and for by his grace you have been saved through faith, and it is a gift from God, not of works, and so you can't boast about it. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should, that God had prepared before him that we should walk in them, be rooted and grounded in love, walk worthy, bear with one another in love, build one another up in love, put off the old self and put on the new self, walk, again, I'm just quoting scripture here, in love. Put on the armor of God. See, Paul is saying, you are equipped. God has saved you. God has commissioned you to go out and live in all of these different ways. So we need to be faithful. We need to repent, trust Jesus, and love people. The life of a genuine follower of Jesus Christ is a life marked by love. It is a undying, unwavering, stand firm in the faith kind of love. It's a love for Jesus and love for his church. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for an opportunity to declare your word to your people. I would ask God that you would uh, speak to your people this week and show them all the ways that they need to confess and repent and to trust you. Let this passage resonate with our hearts, knowing that we need to trust you and love you and serve you by serving other people for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.